How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 150 of Locked On Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked On Thunder is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Head out to iTunes, search Locked On Thunder, subscribe to the podcast there, leave a review once you're on that page, and find us on audioboom.com. Log on to normantranscript.com, check out my blog, Thunder Road, under the sports tab on the site, find all my Thunder coverage there. I'm on every day of the week, and I'm back now. I know I was off the last couple of days. I had to take some time just for myself. After All-Star, uh, I'm back now, back with a trade deadline episode, and I'm back to that regular Monday through Friday schedule now. So trade deadline, I'm recording this like super late on uh, on Wednesday night because I wanted to give myself, just just try to make sure this is as updated as possible heading into trade deadline day when really something can break at 2 in the morning, something can break at 6 in the morning, something can break at 11 in the morning, something can break at 2 p.m., whatever. Trade deadline is Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Time. All trades need to be into the league office by that time. So the guys on the lookout for the Thunder, like the three main guys, or at least the two main guys you're going to hear, whose names we're going to hear all day, which if you're at all a Thunder fan, you've heard already, are Andre Robertson and Cameron Payne. It's not necessarily because the Thunder are aggressively shopping them. What's what's interesting about the Thunder is that they, they might leak less than any organization in the entire league. Uh, they just they don't let their stuff out. They're incredibly tight-lipped in terms of what they let get out to the media, uh, which is next to nothing. It's just the way the organization operates. It's a direct effect of Sam Presti. They don't want this stuff getting out, and for the most part, they're pretty darn good at making sure that stuff doesn't get out. Uh, they don't like their business becoming public, and it almost never happens. So... With all this, these reports of things coming out, things not coming out, it's been hard to pin down exactly what the Thunder are doing. There have been a bunch of trades we've seen already around the league. Obviously, the DeMarcus Cousins trade is the big one, the Serge Ibaka trade. The smaller ones like, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich to the Wizards or, or some other deals too. The two guys whose names you're going to hear until 2 p.m. Central Time on Thursday are going to be Andre Robertson and Cameron Payne. That's because Cameron Payne is basically a substitute for a first-round pick for the Thunder, depending on how an organization values him. And Andre Robertson is going to be a free agent this summer. Now, I can tell you guys right now that I, I, I know Andre Robertson, when, when his agent met with the Thunder in the, in the fall, when they were meeting with guys for uh, rookie-scale extensions, you know, they, they re-upped Adams to an extension that was a little bit, at the time, a little bit below the max, and now under the new collective bargaining agreement, this this new environment, it's actually pretty decently below the max, the contract they got Steven Adams to. They got Victor Oladipo to that four-year, $84 million contract. They couldn't come to extension terms with Andre Robertson, who was under the same uh, situation as those as, as those two guys entering his fourth year in the league, going to become a restricted free agent in the summer, and now he's still going to become a restricted free agent in the summer. No, they were far apart. The team and Robertson were far apart. It's not like they came close 
almost came to an extension, and that was it, and then they moved on. They're pretty far apart on numbers, which is why it's it's absolutely not a guarantee Andre Robertson gets traded by Thursday afternoon. It's absolutely not a guarantee because of how important he is for the Thunder defense, because he's a guy who's relatively important to the team. I mean, Andre Robertson, I was going with, through it with with some other media members, and, and not Thunder media members at All-Star. Now, I was kind of just moderating the conversation, not as much interjecting my opinion. And non-Thunder media members were talking about him as as first-team all-defense and, and, like, the number one guard on first-team all-defense. They'd be, like, the first guard. If you want to put it, look, the forwards are, are, are probably already set in stone with Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green as their two forwards on first-team all-defense. But what Robertson does, he starts at small forward, but he probably guards majority point guards and shooting guards. So you can maneuver it so you can put him as a guard. You can you can justify that. And the consensus was pretty much Andre Robertson's a first-team all-defense guy, at least among the circle of five people that I was talking to. So Andre Robertson is tremendously important for a team which is now, as of the time I'm recording this podcast, they're, they're 11th in points allowed per possession, but there's such a jumble between like 6 and 12. Like those six or seven teams are separated by like – a half uh, a point per 100 possessions that the Thunder could jump up to six by their next game and they could, you know, the team that's, I think Miami is six right now, could fall to, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 with their next game because it's just so darn close uh, with all those teams. You don't even need a particularly great or particularly bad game in order to make a big jump or a big fall there in terms of the ranking. So they're really, I think they're either, they're, and you know what, they're tied for ninth with three other teams. So they're number 11 there, but, but they're tied for ninth with three other teams, but but only a half a point per 100 possessions back of number six. So this is a strong defense. It's a competitive defense. It's really the backbone of their team. It's the reason they're winning because the offense is one of the worst in the league right now, partly because of the shooting, and that's partly because of Robertson, which is another reason why you might see him dealt for somebody who can shoot. So let's just get some Twitter questions, and we'll, it will, we're talking trades. We'll talk all trades today. So first Twitter question from uh, from friend of the show. Well, I, well, my friend from college uh, Will Peterson, Nuggets fan, lives in Denver. He wants to know, what would OKC give up for Wilton, for Wilson Chandler? So the Thunder did talk to Denver. They have like had conversations with Denver about Wilson Chandler specifically. We know that. Sam Amick reported that. It makes sense. Wilson Chandler is a guy who would, who would fit well on this team. Now, cap-wise, Cameron Payne and Andre Robertson works for Wilson Chandler. The Thunder can renounce the trade exception that they have, which is for a little over $7 million, create a little under $7.5 million of cap space, trade Robertson and Cameron Payne to Denver, bring in Wilson Chandler, who makes $11.2 million this year. Salaries work. Chandler's got one more year on his deal after this one, and he's got a player option for the next year. Good value, about $12 million, and I think the player option is a little under $13 million. So that's good value for a player of Wilson Chandler's caliber. He's playing well. He shoots the ball well. He's an okay defender. He handles the ball a little bit. He's a good player, and he'd be the perfect fit for something they need. A wing who doesn't need the ball to be successful, but who can take the ball and create a little bit when he has it, who can space off the ball, who can shoot, who's not a bad defender. He's he's really a perfect fit for them. The problem is Denver seems gun-ho on wanting a first-round pick for him. If the Now, now the Lakers got a first-round pick for Lou Williams, which makes you think, all right, Denver probably – can get a first-round pick for Wilson Chandler. But if they can't get a really good one, like the first-round pick that Denver got, or that the Lakers got for Lou Williams, is going to be real late. So if Denver can't get a really good first-round pick, if they can't get something that's satisfactory for Wilson Chandler, for probably, I mean, look, the chance of him picking up that player option in 2018 are slim to none. So you're really getting a year and a half of Wilson Chandler. And if, if Denver can't 
if Denver can't get a first-round pick they find satisfactory, maybe like what I was talking about at the front end of the show, like Cameron Payne is young enough and, and undeveloped enough to where some organizations, if they like him, and, and, and I honestly don't know how much the last 20 games of Cameron Payne have swayed organizations, but there were organizations coming into this year who thought he was going to be a good player and a worthwhile player and a useful NBA rotation player. And I don't know how much the 20 games of struggling has swayed some of those organizations. But but those organizations existed coming into this year, and even with the injury, those organizations existed. But if Denver likes Cameron Payne enough to where they think, all right, he, he can basically be a stand-in for a first-round pick. And Andre Robertson can help Denver today. You swap him out with Wilson Chandler, he can help them defensively on the wing a ton. And they have bigs who can shoot. Like you play, they play Gallinari. If they play Gallinari at the four, they play uh, Nurkic at the five. Or sorry, not Nurkic, Jokic. I'm still making the Nurkic-Jokic mistake, even when he's in Portland. But they play Gallinari at the four, Jokic at the five. They can put guards who can shoot on the floor. It's a different situation offensively for Andre Robertson than he is in Oklahoma City when he's playing next to a bunch of guys who don't shoot threes. It's not as big of a deal that he can't shoot. It's not. And you can use him more aggressively as that screener, which works occasionally for the Thunder against certain teams and certain matchups. You can use that more effectively when you've got a bunch of guys on the floor who are good shooters. Denver has more shooting. so And defensively, he would fit great with them. He can help them right away, and he's young, and he fits in their timeline and all that. And Denver is trying to compete now. But I think it really depends on how much Denver cares for Cameron Payne. Now, the Thunder, Sam Amick reported that the Thunder are no longer talking. And this is as of around midnight, heading into Thursday morning. But this is, Sam Amick reported that the Thunder are no longer talking to Denver about Wilson Chandler. That stuff changes so quickly, though. Denver decides they don't, they, they can't get what they want for Chandler. They lower the market. Because let's not forget, Chandler wants out. That's how this all came about. Wilson Chandler wants out of Denver. And it, it, it'll be really interesting to follow for the next, for me, what, 14 hours. Because it's an interesting test of leverage. Because Wilson Chandler wants out, but Denver still has him under contract for another year and a half. Two and a half if you count the player option. So it's not like he's going to be a free agent this summer and he's told the organization, I'm definitely gone. That's not the situation at all. So it's an interesting test of leverage to see, you know, are organizations just going to lowball Denver? And, and test them to see, all right, Wilson Chandler says he definitely wants out. Are the Nuggets 100% trying to honor that? And if so, are our organizations going to lowball him? And is that going to get the Thunder into a position where, you know, Denver says, you know, at 1 p.m. on Thursday, Denver says, all right, fine, we'll do Robertson and Payne. Or we'll do, you know, fill in the blank. Something that lowers their standards from where they were at on Wednesday. It's possible. That's a possibility considering the situation that Chandler has put them in. So just because OKC was out on Wednesday, I don't know if it necessarily means that they're out on Thursday. Those sorts of things, they swing back and forth. That's what that's what negotiations are. That's what the trade deadline it happens all the time. Next one, um, and I thought this was an interesting one, from Thunderheads. Are, are the young guys' market values limited by OKC's heavy reliance on Russell Westbrook? Not a ton of opportunity for guys to showcase. I thought this was interesting. I think to a degree it's true, but I think it's probably true for the guys who the Thunder aren't necessarily trying to trade. Like, I think I could, I think it could be true for Steven Adams. I think maybe if Steven Adams is in a different spot, he gets more opportunities with the ball. Maybe he looks a little better. Maybe his trade value is a little higher. I think it's most true for Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo has thoroughly changed the way he plays with Oklahoma City. He's really, a, I mean, he's been pretty good this year. 
But he's really a he's a catch and shoot threat offensively. That's what he is. And, and lately, he hasn't shot the ball well. Off the dribble, he's a guy who takes mid range shots. He's not a penetrating player. And look, his 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 penetrating nature was always overstated. He he wasn't really a guy who's maneuvering that many pick and rolls. He didn't drive all that much. His percentage of shots at the rim wasn't like insanely high with Orlando or anything like that. But he was he was shooting way more. He was getting the free throw line way more. Not a ton at all. But now it's like a really, really low number. And I think if if he has the opportunity to handle the ball some more, he'd probably look better. At the very least, he'd be able to show off a multitude of skills that he could do. And if he's able to pull them off, then I think he probably looks better to some other teams who feel more comfortable putting him in a role like that. Because he's come to Oklahoma City, and I think a lot of people thought, all right, he's out of Orlando. That's arguably a toxic environment for him. Uh, if, if toxic is too strong of a word, then it's not a situation that's conducive to, to perfecting his development, at least. And I think people thought, oh, he comes to Orlando or comes to Oklahoma City, gets out of Orlando, and, and he can take a leap. And he certainly hasn't taken that leap. He hasn't been bad by any means, but he certainly hasn't taken that leap. He's kind of treaded water, and he's he's done it while changing his style a little bit. And I think maybe if he's not next to a guy who's so ball dominant, maybe that changes. And, and that's not, not necessarily better for the team as a whole, because you'd rather the ball be in Russell Westbrook's hands than Victor Oladipo's. But I, I think it might be, if you're talking just strictly Victor Oladipo's trade value, I think something that's true, but I don't think the Thunder are looking to trade Victor Oladipo, considering they got him on the ex- that extension coming up. Next one, I apologize if I mispronounce this, from uh, Ketan Perek. Uh, is Contavious Caldwell-Pope an option for the Thunder? So one of the surprise, or two of the surprise names, I should say, coming through during trade deadline talks is that Detroit is like looking at everyone. We knew Reggie Jackson, but now it's Contavious Caldwell-Pope and, and Andre Drummond that Detroit is uh, reportedly fielding offers for. I think that was ESPN's Mark Stein who initially made that report. I've gone through this. I just don't know what the Thunder could give up to get him. This is not a Wilson Chandler situation. All right, so Caldwell Pope this year makes $3.7 million. He'll be a restricted agent this summer. He's obviously going to get majorly paid. This is a guy who's got an all-defense argument. He, he used to not be able to shoot. That's not a thing anymore. He's 37% from three this year. He's good off the ball. He's he's so good defensively. He can guard multiple positions. He's good guarding off the ball. He's good chasing guys around screens. He's really good at like maneuvering screens and actually sticking to guys, whether they're ball screens or or whatever it is. Like he is really good. And he's really good scouting report defender too. And he's long. And he's he's good. He's a really good player. But with his salary, like talk about a Wilson Chandler deal. Wilson Chandler wants out. Wilson Chandler's 29 years old. He's got big money, so you can you can give up a few pieces for him, and, and you're okay on salary. Detroit's over the cap, so you got to match on salary with them. And Contavious Caldwell Pope makes, Pope makes $3.7 million. So what are you doing? Andre Robertson's not going to do it. And here's the thing with the draft picks. Thunder can't trade them. So many people are tweeting me, including draft picks and deals. You can't trade draft picks in consecutive years. They have their 2018 pick going to Utah. They have 2020 right now going to Philadelphia. And that 2020 pick could roll over. So the Thunder can, the most, the soonest the Thunder can trade a draft pick is 2022. But it could be later than that, depending on what happens with the Philadelphia pick and the Utah pick, if those were have to roll over. 
because the Thunder in the lottery or whatever, like the Utah pick is lottery protected. So we'll, they, these are draft picks that are distant draft picks. They're not nearly as valuable to teams. It'd be really hard for the Thunder to conjure up, conjure up a deal to get Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Now you can throw in some extra salary. You know, you can throw in the Boban Marjanovic salary or something like that. Or the Aaron Bain salary, six and a half million, seven million, bring that up to eleven million dollars and worth in a trade. Ish Smith, six million, bring that up to what? About ten million dollars worth in the trade. But even so, what are you giving up in that deal? Alex Abrinas and Andre Robertson? You could try that. I don't know if Detroit's gonna do that. I think Detroit can get better op- or get her options for a twenty three year old who can defend like that, who's now a pretty reliable three point shooter. Who can take you off the dribble? Abrinas Robertson in the first? That's probably your best offer. But even so, like, Abrinas, you got locked up to a contract, which looks like it's going to be a pretty good contract because he's been a good player. But Robertson's going to be a free agent this summer. What's he going to command? $10 million? $12 million? I think he thinks he's more than the $12 million player. And if he makes all defense, he's going to have a chance at making more than that. Pistons already have a pretty expensive roster for a team that's three under 500. That'll be tough. That'll be tough for them to make. So I just, I don't know if the pieces are there. Maybe they love Sabonis. Maybe they love Sabonis. You include Sabonis. You know, you do a sort of a Brina-Sabonis deal. Throw in Aaron Baines you bring back. And that's your move. But it's tough to figure out exactly how you're going to do that deal. Because Caldwell Pope has gotten a little bit too good for the Thunder's assets, I think. Unless, you know, Stan Van Gundy loves Sabonis. Or Stan Van Gundy loves Abrinas. Sometimes it's always just that one team. That one team just kind of loves one guy more than your average, you know, more than the market values him. And that's kind of why you see these deals. That's part of why you saw the uh, the DeMarcus Cousins trade, right? Which was unquestionably below DeMarcus Cousins' value. But apparently the Kings, or, or Vivek, loves Buddy Heald. He values Buddy Heald more than the market on average values Buddy Heald. So... That's the way I think you pull off that deal, but realistically, I don't know. I think that's a tough deal. That's a tough deal to put together. I thought this one was interesting, too, from BS officials. Should Sam Presti go against convention and stockpile draft picks? Uh, Is that the best way to address small forward need? So just about everybody says Sam Presti's got to go out. This team is 29th in three-point percentage. The only team that's the worst shooting team in the entire league than them is Chicago, they got to do something to fix that. They got to do something to help themselves in the immediate future. I don't know if Sam Presti is operating that way, and that's partly why I think this deal is interesting. When you got a lot of buyers on the market, and a lot of teams are close to making the playoffs right now, there are a lot of teams in the race. How many teams are like definitively out of it? In the West, it's really just the Lakers and the Suns, right? Minnesota, Dallas, New Orleans. Portland and Sacramento are all out of the playoff picture right now, but they're all within four games of Denver, who's the eighth seed. So it's conceivable they all do it. In the East, Orlando and Brooklyn, right? I mean, look, the Knicks the Knicks stink, but they're four back. Philly's kind of, you know, been playing respectable basketball over the last two months. They're five back of the of the eight. Charlotte's only two. Miami's only two. The Bucks are tied with them in the lost column. And the Detroit's there in eight, and they're 27 and 30. They could trade guys and fall out. Chicago could trade guys and fall out. They're a game under 500 and they're the seventh seed. There are a lot of teams who think they have a chance. And maybe that's a market where you say, all right, let's let's swipe away a first rounder. Maybe if you don't believe in an asset, you know, maybe it's the opposite of the concept that I was talking about before. 
maybe if you have an asset that you value less than the market does, maybe they, that this is a time where you give that guy up for a first. Now, the market's been acting strange this year. A mid-first rounder got you to Marcus Cousins. Mid-first rounder and Buddy Heald. And then two guys for salary who are getting waived. That got you Buddy Heald. Or got you DeMarcus Cousins. Man, a first-rounder in the 20s also, and taking on Andrew Nicholson's contract, also gets you Boyan Bogdanovich. So the market's acting a little strange this year. You know, as a first-rounder for Lou Williams. Corey Brewer in the first-rounder for Lou Williams. So the market's acting a little strange this year. Maybe somebody's willing to give up a first for something. Maybe if the Thunder... I mean, And one of the interesting Robertson subplots is that if Robertson ends up getting paid this summer because he's restricted... If the Thunder want to keep him, they have the ability to do so. But if somebody gives him a big deal, if he signs a $52 million four-year deal this summer, which I'm not saying that's the exact money he'll get, but I think that's a possibility. It's possible. I mean, that's about what Solomon Hill got with New Orleans under different circumstances. I think the market is not going to be as extreme. Guys are not going to pay as much. I think there's a lot of buyers from Morris amongst a lot of organizations this year. And I think teams spent too much last year, and now they're seeing kind of the the problems with some of the decisions that, that, that a lot of them, not every team made, that, that a lot of them made. On top of that, Solomon Hill was unrestricted and Robertson is restricted. And it's easier to give an unrestricted guy a lot of money because it doesn't tie up your cap space for three days wondering what's going to happen. But let's say Robertson gets 452. That's a lot of money. And depending on some other decisions the Thunder make, depending on what other what else happens with their roster, there's a chance that that sort of money could push them into a luxury tax. Victor Oladipo is going to be making $21 million next year. Steven Adams is going to be making more than $22 million next year. Russell Westbrook is at 28 right now. 28 and a half next year. And his canner makes 17.8 next year. I mean, they got $109 million on the books for next year right now. It's a lot of money. That's $7 million more than the cap is projected to be. And bringing in, you know, Robertson back, is that, that the guy you want to push you over the into the luxury tax? He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's good. He's a very valuable player, and he's valuable to them. But let's say this team wins 46 games. Do you want to pay the tax for a 46-win team? Don't forget, don't forget that the Thunder were one of three, according to Forbes, the Thunder were three, one of three NBA teams that lost money last year. Them, the Clippers, and the Cavs, they all paid the luxury tax. There's a reason the Thunder don't pay the luxury tax unless they're, they have a championship-caliber roster and they're trying to keep Kevin Durant. There's a reason they historically haven't done that. And I would be surprised if this was a team that was all of a sudden excited to pay the luxury tax for a team coming off of, I mean, look, they, they're pacing to win in the 40s. Their net rating is negative one. They're outplaying their net rating more than any other team in the NBA right now. So I, I'd be surprised if they wanted to go into the luxury tax. There, now, there are ways other than trading Robertson to avoid the luxury tax. There are ways other than, you know, getting rid of him to do that. But it's just, it's an interesting chess game they're going to have to play to try to figure that part out. And uh, I, I don't know if they're going to trade Robertson or not, but it's it's something we have to talk about. And maybe if you get a first, you get a draft pick and a deal that involves him. You get a draft pick and a deal that involves Payne, depending on how they feel about the last how the last twenty games have colored the way that they play Payne. Because let's not forget, there have been times where Payne has been benched for Samaje Kristen. and Billy Donovan has said they've been situational, and I believe him. But I don't think the Thunder went into this season thinking that Samaje Christen was going to be playing for Cameron Payne in those situations. I think that's something they thought was best in the time, but I don't think it's something they necessarily anticipated. So it'll be interesting to see how they 
how they control this. I, I do think it's – I don't know how they're going to play this because they are so tight-lipped. But I think it's an interesting question. Just when, when the market is zigging, do you zag and just try to grab some draft picks? Because I don't know if the Thunder necessarily are freaking out over, all right, they can win 46 and lose in the first round or they can win 48 and lose in the first round. I don't know if that's necessarily their priority. They might have other ones. Uh, the next one is a question I'm just going to ask. I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to answer it on a podcast in a day or two. Uh, this one is from Nate. Uh, it's not necessarily trade-related, but I'm going to save it for one a little bit later because we're going to have a better idea of the candidates. Uh, who out of potential buyout candidates this year would interest the Thunder? I'm going to wait till we see the candidates because we're going we're gonna to have an even wider pool of buyout candidates after the trade deadline. And I think it's going to be better to answer this after the trade deadline. It's a really good question, something I'll 100% talk about. Uh, I'm going to wrap up trade stuff tomorrow. So make sure you tune in to Locked on Thunder, last episode of the week. Remember, I'm on every day, every weekday, Monday through Friday. Head on to iTunes, subscribe to Locked on Thunder. If you have questions or comments, email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z, and log on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs. Check out Thunder Road while you're there to follow team coverage and what's next for the Thunder. That's going to do it for today. And remember, Trade Online is tomorrow at 2 p.m. Central. I'm going to do that show wrapping everything up for Friday morning. But until then, Lockdown Thunder is locking up.